This is the Game Changers Experience. Deep dive conversations with leading business disruptors, Olympic athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and influencers from around the world. This show will teach you insights about the winning principles in mindset, productivity, marketing, branding, entrepreneurship, business strategy, and more. Hosted by Productivity Authority, business strategist, former elite athlete, author, and public speaker, Adam Strong. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Game Changers Experience with myself, Adam Strong. And welcome to another live Game Changers Experience podcast live show. One of the things I love about these type of shows is that we get to have this amazing interaction and human connection with you guys that we're streaming out on LinkedIn, through YouTube, and on Twitter as well. So if you guys are listening to us, do me a favor, use the hashtag live, use the hashtag replay, that'd be super awesome. And um, for you guys that, uh, that are listening in as well, and if you have any questions around today's topic, which is all about resilience, by the way, um, then do me a favor, put any comments, ELC, post like or comment in the comment section below. And if this resonates with you, or if you feel like you've had conversations with somebody in the past that you feel that would have a huge benefit from this conversation, then do me a favor, tag them. Because uh, one of my bigger... Uh, I suppose my bigger missions is to really get this show out to as many countries and as many business leaders and entrepreneurs out in the world. 100,000 is, is, our, is our big target. We're in 52 countries, amazingly, and we do have thousands, thousands of downloads on a monthly basis, but it would be better. There's always room for improvement, right? Anyway, listen, enough from me. I've got an amazing guest here on the show. His name's called Julian Roberts. Julian is a... Uh, He's what I call a chief resilient officer, right? What does that mean in layman's terms? Well, he's the executive leadership coach. He has an amazing podcast about how organizations thrive. And he's dedicated his studies and has worked with lots of different organizations and small and big, by the way, for you guys that run a small business. Um, he, 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 his big mission is really about how to help, I suppose, how to help a lot of business leaders and organizations uh, get that edge in terms of like resilient using a lot of psychological strategies, but he's also created a, an amazing framework as well. Um, and as worked with, <laughs> he's worked with, uh, I was actually reading his um, uh, LinkedIn profile. He actually worked with a number of ladies uh, who actually rode uh, for 35 days. I'm not sure if, uh, if they actually, if they actually accomplished it, I, I didn't delve in enough deeper. I'm sure that Julian will uh, talk a little bit more about it. But they they were a, a group of six, and uh, they they talked a little bit about resilience. And uh, you can read all about it on LinkedIn on, on Julian's uh, LinkedIn profile as well. So we'll talk a little bit about that as well. So what are we going to be talking about today, ladies, ladies and gents? Apart from resilience, right? We're we'll talking a little bit about the differences between mental toughness and resilience, because I think that there are some subtle differences. So we're going to have a conversation around that. Uh, we're also going to be talking a little bit about some of the mistakes or what I call what, what I call cracks. Like what, it, what are the cracks that we look for in teams when it comes to if, if a team isn't resilient enough? Like what, what are we going to do about that? And also we can get stuck in cycles, right? So stuck cycles of despair, cycles of of motivation, cycles of conflict. How can we uh, get out of those cycles in order to get in order in order to create what I call a force field or a barrier, which helps cement teams 
in terms of their uh, performance as well. Uh, we're also going to be talking a little bit about vulnerability. We're going to talk about communication, all of that fun, fun stuff, all, all, all to do with teams and things like that. So listen, I'm mean, going to enjoy today's uh, conversation. Uh, Julian is a, is a great expert at this, and uh, I'm really going to enjoy our conversation. So listen, if you are listening to us live, use the hashtag live, use the hashtag replay. And again, like I said, PLC, post like or comment on the comment section below. That'd be super awesome. Anyway, enough chit chat from me. Julian, welcome to the show. Good to see you, Adam. I'm feeling excited about this episode already myself with that introduction. Um, <laughs> and I'm being introduced as a chief resilient officer. I've never thought about that, actually. That's a, an interesting way. And um, I've already had my, my dopamine rush today. I, I do ice baths every morning, Ron. That wasn't so icy this morning, it's about seven degrees. Uh, but I find it a good way to. They, they, they've got studies now that it says uh, going in, in cold water for a couple of minutes uh, will give you a two and a half time dopamine uh, hit for a couple of hours. So um, let may this continue throughout the day from this as well. You know, it's interesting. So um, I, I, I have a good friend of mine. You probably know him. His name's called Warren Knight. And he has this kind of regular routine of, um, you know, doing regular ice bath in the morning, first thing in the morning. Uh, and I don't know. I mean, it's interesting. So I'm based in Scandinavia, Julian, right? Half the time. And one of their regular routines is have a hot sauna and then drop into like an ice bath or some sort of plunge pool or something like that, right? And now I there's a there's actually a lake not far from here, right? <laughs> this is this is one of my very first experiences of coming to Scandinavia, right? So I went to, went to this public sauna, if you like, okay. Now everyone's naked. Everyone was butt naked, literally butt naked. Men and women, it was a mixed sauna, right? And so <laughs> uh, it was kind of weird, like, coming from a culture, like, being British, you're kind of not used to seeing that, right? But anyway, after everyone had done their 10 to 15-minute sauna, right, they'd go outside in the freezing cold, minus 5, minus 10 temperatures, and they would walk into the cold water of the lake. I'm like, are you mad? Are you crazy? That's, that's nuts. Like, I just couldn't get out. But anyway... Um, are you? Uh, I mean, are you, are you that type of person? By the way, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you're not that type of person. Go skinny dipping into. Um, yeah, into I, I, do, I do. I do wear sort of swimwear, uh, but yes, I would be happily going to a, a lake that's um, whatever below below freezing. I know my, my ice pod early in the in the year got to minus one. I was breaking the ice off it, and uh, and I go in the sea every week, which is at the moment about seven eight degrees. Um, but it, it's 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 a brilliant way to start the day. It's a good habit. I say there is some scientific stuff around all the sort of circulation, mm. the physiological. But for me, it's the sort of mental um, toughness it does create because it, it it means you start the day that you've overcome something pretty harsh. It is harsh, obviously, mm. and and it means it sets you up really well that actually I can overcome that. I can do a lot of other stuff throughout the day. So it creates that sense of achievement, but also helps you uh, de-stress as well, reduces your stress. When you get into situations where you feel a little bit like, uh, you don't panic as much because you're a lot more controlled because you know you can control your breathing, you know you can control stress response because you've just done it this morning. So fantastic. I always recommend it. <laughs> so you're probably one of the uh, the crazy people that go out and do uh, go out for a swim in the open on Boxing Day, right? Have you seen those people? Well, yeah. Well, it all this all started last year. Last there's a New Year 2022, and with some ah. friends, and then then it just then just snowballed into doing it every week. And and I say doing it with other people is is like a social thing. And in fact, I put a post out a few weeks ago that I, I did this with some friends, and then in my local sort of networking. 
they said, oh, we'll be up for that. And so actually this week we did it. We all came together in my in my garden. Bacon sign is afterwards. And uh, <laughs> it, it almost created a networking event whilst stripping off, going in some cold water. And um, it was a great thing to do. Brilliant. I love that uh, kind of like creativity juices. Uh, uh, that's, that's kind of cool. Uh, that, that's definitely a new way of doing some business networking. 100% love that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> anyway, looking forward to this conversation. So talking about resilience and stuff and I would kind of like jump in here because, you know, coming from, um, coming from, uh, you know, from a discipline of, you know, elite athletes and elite running myself, you know, we, I talk a little bit about mental toughness. Do you feel, do you, is there a kind of like, is there, is, is resilience and mental toughness, are they different in your eyes from your perspective you know, and if, and and what what are the subtle differences? Any thoughts there? Yeah, that's an interesting uh, thing to point out. There's, I think there's a there's a nuance slightly. Um, I, I think for me, for resilience is 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 it's not just about the the grit determination. It's about the ability to to learn as well. Because I think often we can get caught up about oh, it's just plowing through. But actually, no. Sometimes things you've got to stop, reflect, and what knocked you down? How did you get knocked down what what was causing that and the resilience piece is the learning piece it's the creativity it's the innovation piece mm. um i think mental toughness is that bit uh, at points when you are struggling and finding things really difficult um now some would say this is like a trait as in you are born as the way you are and possibly mm. might be something to do with that but I recently coached an athlete um, who have just has just ran seven marathons in seven days on seven continents, Boy. and she she came to me to help her with the mental toughness, the mental resilience piece, and not not to do the physical side. And you know, I, I, I we did various stuff coaching for sort of three or four months, and 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 brilliantly, she she completed it. I'm actually picking up, I'm catching up with her on Friday actually just to hear the stories and what was all Amazing. going on behind it. But it's interesting, I. I shared a a real mental hack tip, which I got from a guy called David Goggins. He's a sort of um, yes. endurance oh, know about mm-hmm. endurance athlete, and he talks about the, the cookie jar. Uh, and this is to me, I think, is sometimes where the mental toughness sometimes comes in. And he talks about how you have all those stories and and achievements you've done in your life. You know, whether it's whatever you've done an Ironman, you've done this, done all various things. And when you get to that point when you are really struggling. Instead of just trying to fathom and trying to push through, actually just take a moment and take a deep breath and almost put your hand into the cookie jar, what you've done before, remind yourself of that. And that starts to help you overcome and start to think, actually, I can overcome that, overcome this situation because I've done this, I've done that. And that to me is almost probably helping you with the mental toughness at that point in inflection when you're facing with something really quite challenging. Mm. I, I was also thinking, there's a couple of good points you made there. And I'm thinking, a mental toughness perspective. I mean, you, you do a lot of stuff with teams, for example, and I can understand maybe mental toughness is more applicable to individuals rather than teams. Do you know what I mean? I guess so. But in some ways you, you making a, a sort of shared mental models in a team that can help you tough mm-hmm. mentally as mm-hmm. a team. Mm-hmm. So I, it can, it can translate uh, in that way as well. So in that context does work. Yeah. Love that. Some good stuff. All right. Well, listen, um, that, now, interestingly enough, because um, I, I love the fact that you work with uh, 
with 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 uh, with your client there with regards to seven seven marathons on seven continents. I've you know a few in people seven have days. done that. In, in seven, seven days. days, that's insane. That is crazy. <laughs> um, that include Antarctica, by the way. It, it started Antarctica, went up to Cape Town, went to Perth, went to Dubai, went to Madrid, went to uh, Brazil. I can't remember exactly where, and then to uh, Miami in the US. Wow, that's insane. That is crazy. Anyway, love that, love that, love that. Let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about. Um, when a when a team breaks down in terms of cracks, so you know it doesn't matter small or big team, right? If we look at the cracks of a of, of a team and why break why a team breaks down, what are and and because they maybe that maybe they lack resilience, and, and that's maybe the cause of the, the occurrence of the cracks. For example, what are some of the things that a lot of like business leaders? Uh, need to look for in terms of those cracks what are some of the warning signs that we need to look for in terms of a, a team uh, you know breaking down if you like yeah there's a number of things to, to look out for I, I talk a lot about psychological safety being a real um, building block of, of creating a resilient team and when you see people becoming really quiet not sharing uh, not taking any risks not challenging, then you can start to sense that you haven't got a, a psychological safe team because there are all the things that happens if you have. Um, mm. I think another thing to, to look out for is this people working almost in silos, not this sort of collaborative approach. Because I think collaboration is quite key in teams yep. and supporting each other, getting around people as well. Uh, mm. So you, you start to see people doing things on their own, in their own way, um, and, and also not aligned to what the overall purpose or the mission of that team might be. So they seem to be just going off. And so you spot, start, that to me is just spotting those cracks and thinking there's something not quite right here, doesn't feel right. Um, and and then just that lack of innovation, lack of um, when, when a challenge comes in, when something happens, whether it's a massive thing like a pandemic or a small thing like, Potentially, say losing a client or 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 a, or a sort of project fails is is the lack of creativity and everybody being completely sort of flat, low morale, and just not knowing what to do next. But those sort of I would say the telling signs of you haven't got a very resilient team at that point in time. No, that's, that's some good points there, and I suppose also things like communication breakdown and conflict also occurs as well, doesn't it? Oh, to totally, and I, and I think it's. You know, I mean, communication is a, a, an absolute key thing in terms of making teams work really well. Uh, but it's, it's how you communicate and what you're communicating is really important and, and making sure that's aligned to what you're trying to do as a team or as a business. Uh, so it's not just the and the sort of the comms, because I think people get caught up, oh, I've just got to communicate. Well, yeah, you have, but it's how you do it, why you do it, and in the way you do it, and, and how that creates that engagement. And, and communication also is a it's a two-way thing, isn't it? It's like you and I are talking here. The, the two-way process, it's not a, a one-way. And I think leaders get caught up with what well, I'm telling people. Well, mm. are you listening as well? Because that's communication as well. It's making sure we're receiving stuff and understanding what is going on. Mm -hmm. Yep, good point. Love that. Um, now, I know it's it, it's easy for um, you know, I know businesses, small or big, to get stuck into a negative spiral of it as such. What what do you how do how do how do um, teams and small and you know small and big businesses if they get sucked into that kind of negative cycle or that spiral if you like how do um 
how how do you how do you get out of that? You know, because it can be very difficult to, you know, especially if you're stuck in, you know, as, as I call it, like Alice falling down the rabbit hole and kind of being able to claw yourself back out. It's kind of mm-hmm. another sport, suppose metaphor and stuff. Yeah, it, it can be really difficult, and 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 unfortunately, you know, we are as people negatively biased. <laughs> We're more likely <laughs> to be more negative than negative than positive, which sounds a bit. Difficult. True. I think it's our it's our it's our evolutionary protective defense mechanism. We're more negative about things, um, and so once it does spiral, unfortunately, it does almost like it's quite contagious to try and stop it. So, um, I remember, uh, well, we're talking three years now uh, when the pandemic all kicked off, and um, I remember the uh, having conversation with CEOs at the time who were in a, a state of shock, a state of what on earth's going on, what can I do, and. You know, potentially that was creating a lot of negativity, not just within the team, but within the sort of leadership. Um, and I remember one CEO in particular, and he, he had a, a quite a purpose-led uh, sort of uh, business and how he approached things. And mm-hmm. he, I just said to him, well, is your purpose of your business, does it remain the same in the context of what you're facing as reality now, the pandemic? Mm-hmm. And he went, yeah, pretty much it does. It doesn't change really. I said, well, the only thing that's changed is the strategy, is in terms of the how, but also the timing of things. That's the only thing that has changed. And I encourage him to say, go back to your team and then put that mission statement, purpose statement, whatever you, how you, you sort of put that out and remind people of that, talk to people about it, and it will create an energy source, it will create a sense of innovation and get people to say, look, this still remains the same and this will be what we're, we're shooting for. But what's in the way now is this thing called the pandemic and it's causing all sorts of tri- trouble. How can we navigate what's in front of us using that purpose as almost that true, our North star, whatever you want to call it. And he did that. So he went away and did that with his team and he came back to me and I said, how do you get on? He said, well, actually it was brilliant because just sharing the purpose again, energized people, lifted people's gaze a little bit from not to dream and just to wander off and not get out of reality, but just to go look a bit, a little bit ahead, a little bit to the future of what could be and it started to create some new ways of working uh, new ideas of how they could sort of meet their clients and that started to create and it it was something like that and, it, and he used it in a way that created that collaboration and so lifted people's gaze and i would encourage a lot more of that of trying to get people out of it uh, in terms of that negative and that's what he did he got them out of the negative potential spiral they were going to go down into a more positive way and that business has, has continued to sort of build and thrive and do really well you know, it's interesting. You, 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 I call it the core foundations, you know, because going back to purpose, going back to what you stand for and, and why you do what you do type thing, I call it the core foundations. And I feel like it's such an overlooked, um, undervalued um, topic, if you like. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like when you have those conversations and stuff like that. And it, it's great to hear that, that he kind of like got people on his side because so many people fail to do that do you know what i mean like and mm. that's why you saw so many businesses fail because it was like you know how do you <laughs> how do you control the panic if you like but i love that that's some good stuff um but the key, key thing with purpose sorry the key thing with purpose though is you've got to create a purpose that is beyond just making sales and profit that's not a purpose that that's just mm. a that's a good one to make more money. That's and yes, you need sustainability key, but it's bigger than that. It's bigger than you. It's contributing to the world, to communities, whatever it may be. And it's going to be something might meaningful. And it's going to be something that you've got to live and breathe and not just put onto your, you know, um, painted on the walls 
and that's our purpose statement or whatever it is. Actually, it's got to be led by the leadership. They've actually got to role model it. They've got to act it out. They've got to sort of do it and feel it. And and it's got to be continually sort of communicated and shared. And you know, and, and making sure that you know, I was talking to somebody the other day that whenever they get um, new clients come in, uh, they always go, "Does this align to our purpose?" Um, which is interesting. Is it, does this just make it, does this get us closer to our purpose? And if it does, let's go ahead. If it doesn't, we're not going to work with that client. And it's a really good way of continuing to talk about the purpose. And so when things do happen, like the pandemic or anything, really, you can go back to our purpose. Does this? How do we get back to this purpose? How do we get on track? This is our North Star. This is our guiding light. We've just gone off a, little, a bit off a track here. How do we get back onto it? And how do we navigate these challenges that are ahead of us? So it's, it's an ongoing process within an organization. Love that. Uh, you, there's something that I picked up from what you were saying there, which was about role models. And, uh, I, you know, I guess, you know, small team, big team doesn't really matter. But I guess having those role models and those leaders that kind of can be, that can kind of steer the ship from choppy waters, if you like, if you want to call it that. But mm-hmm. when it comes to role models, for example, um, when, when clients come to you in need or in need of, you know, being able to solve their problem or their challenge or whatever it is, how do you get the, how do you get the most out of role models or how to develop role models so that, you, so that they can be the best versions of themselves so that it helps their teams to then kind of like move forwards. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And role modeling, you know, we're role modeling right now. And, and I think people forget that the moment you are in front of somebody uh, and you walk into a room, have a conversation with somebody on zoom on a phone call, yeah. you are role modeling and, whether you're remodeling positively, negatively, uh, you're doing something uh, and making an impact. I think, you know, when I tell leaders that the moment you walk into a room, you are making some impact uh, and you want to be intentional and be aware that you want to make the right impact uh, in that context. And so, you know, it's it's the way, it's, it's the most important way that you will create change and create behavioral change in people around you is role modeling is far more powerful than you just sharing some eloquent words, sharing some um, wonderful graphics on a presentation or some nice movies that you've had shot for your presentation. They're all valid and good way of communicating. I'm not saying you don't do that, but the most powerful way is you role modeling. Um, There was a study done uh, many years ago uh, by a guy called Bandora and it talked about, um, it's called the Bandora effect. It's all about role modeling and how people get impacted by what they see uh, cognitively, uh, almost subconsciously. Um, and I'll just, just share very quickly that the study, it was it was done with children. They wouldn't do this study nowadays. It was back in the 60s. <laughs> um, they do do study with children, but this, the nature of the study I'll show. So they had a, a children in one room uh, just sitting, playing as they would. I, th- I can't remember their age. They were quite young, I think primary school. And there was a Bobo doll, which was basically a, one of those blow-up, sort of dolls that you hit over and it bounces back up again. So it's called a, a Bobo doll. And um, the an adult went into the room and, and sat there. And then after a while, he would then punch the Bobo doll uh, and a number of times be basically quite aggressive to it. Um, and then and then the other control room, they had a, the same scenario going with children and an adult walked in, but the adult didn't do anything to the Bobo doll. And then I think a few hours later, the kids were then left on their own uh, and, the, and the room where the, the, the doll had been punched by the, the, the adults, 
the kids all started punching this bobol doll and doing stuff to it and hitting it and everything else. <laughs> and the ones where they didn't, didn't even touch it. And I think it shows you there was no verbal, no communication, no talking, nothing. It was role modeling. And that's how powerful it is. People see what you do and 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 act. And, and if people, if you're saying something to somebody and you are not acting on that as well, as in you're saying go this way and you're going a completely different way, then people subconsciously pick up this cognitive dissonance and doesn't feel sit right. And we've all had those scenarios uh, with people. So be true to yourself, but you know, be mindful that the moment you are in front of somebody, you are role modeling and think about that. And I, and I work a lot with clients in terms of helping them reflect back on them, you know, almost become a, a mirror to them and helping them understand the impact by taking them through some scenarios that they may they share with me and how they thought they were impacting them on that scenario and getting real self-awareness. And so I help them dial that up and become more intentional. Uh, not in a manipulative way, it just in being true of who yourself and how you can make a better impact and make sure that those values of who you are are really exposed and amplified in the right way to sort of have the maximum impact in your business. Uh, it's interesting. There's one thing that sort of came to my mind as well when it comes to if you're going through a tough time, you know, if your business is going through a tough time, going through the mill a little bit. One thing that came to my mind was the importance of attitude. Because I feel like attitude is one of those things which is not really spoken about. But what's your take on attitude? Do you feel like, you know, people that are part of that team, they've got to have that. They've everyone's got to be singing off the same hymn note type of thing. What? But if you've got someone who has a bad attitude generally, right, or they like see negativity and you know, there's this kind of mindset of, oh, that's just how the things are done around here type of you know, negative, closed-minded type of personality. How do you deal with those individuals? There are going to be toxic people out there. How do yeah. we kind of remove them from the equation and say, you know what, actually, you know what, if you don't get rid of this poison apple, you're not going to become very resilient. You're just, it's going to come crumbling down. It's going to be like an infection or a virus to your team mm. and it's, it's not going to happen. So what, have you ever had those conversations? Yeah, I, I think, you know, as attitude, you know, you always say, you know, employ people over attitude versus skill. You can always teach a skill as long as you've got the attitude. And I think it's really important to have that attitude. And um, you will always get, you know, in, in a team, whether it's what you call toxic or just not, not so bit sort of um, not so great, bad attitude. Um, and, you know, I think the first thing for a leader is to do is ensure that you are, you know, you're, you're I suppose, communicating something quite inspiring as well that will, motivate people inspire people as well so always think about what are you doing and how you're going about things i think dealing with people who've got bad attitude is to take them aside really i think it's to have a conversation with people um i would never do anything publicly uh, i don't think it's necessary um i think it's uh, and ask them a question of you know you know what what are their thoughts on things uh, why are they thinking what they're thinking what do they think their attitude is like have they thought about it have they thought about their impact on other people and, and depending on what their stay in as a, as a business and, and what their skill set is and how important they are, just start to question them and ask them questions that makes them think a bit more about who they are, what they are, why they're doing things. Uh, and that can start to unpick stuff because there might be just something that, that something's just bothered them. And it might be nothing to do with what you're saying, nothing to do with uh, the attitude. It could be something about something in their home life. It could be something that they're struggling at work. And actually, they're, they're just using it as a defense mechanism to try and mm. deflect away from them 
And so I just, just could be mindful of that. And if it persists, I think you've got to, you know, put some, like anything, put some boundaries in place. You know, if they continue to be like they are, then then this will start to happen and create a process because you actually you are impacting the business, you're impacting the team. And therefore, you know, and obviously I'm not a HR expert, but take it down the HR route where you have to ultimately, you may have to exit that person. And I think it's just being mindful of that, uh, that actually you've got to put some boundaries in place and just let, let it slip and think, oh, it will get better. Well, no, it won't get better until you deal with something. And if you deal with it and it works, brilliant, and you deal with it, it doesn't work, then you need to think about the other course of action and be quite decisive in how you go about that as well. Yeah, it's a good point. I love that. Some good stuff. Uh, some good points. That's some good golden uh, golden bombs, golden nuggets. Uh, for guys that are listening in, by the way, if you are listening to us live, use the hashtag live, use the hashtag replay and uh, ELC. And if you're listening to us on the podcast, also we'll make sure that Julian uh, will put all the description notes below and we'll also put uh, Julian's social media links if you want to connect with him and uh, and uh, ask these specific questions that we haven't covered in today's show. So um, um, interestingly enough, and... I mean, you've been working in this area of resilience for quite a number of years. I mean, you know, you've, you've got extensive experience working with big organizations as well as small ones. What is what are some of the new what are some of the insights that have you gained over the years in conversations with what I called failed stories or stories that have been like, well, okay, you know, this this didn't work for us and it didn't work for us because of the, because of this or whatever it is. Have you kind of gained any new insights over the last sort of few years? all your conversations that you've had yeah i suppose i i don't look at it as failed stories i think it, it's fee, it's for feedback really and i think mm. as much as i work with people it, it's for them to take on board you know i'm not there all the time i'm there for a point i'm a, I'm a facilitator i'm a coach yeah. and i'll create insights and and help and but ultimately the the leader and the team have to take that on board clearly um you know, I work with a, you know, I think it's a, a team of ladies who were looking to row around Great Britain. And it's this to me is, is, is a great story of of what resilience is really about, because often we, we we talk about resilience of when, you know, like the client I just had, you know, seven marathons, seven days, seven continents did it and achieved it. And that's a great story. <clears throat> and, and that's good. And, and, and obviously we all want success. Um, but actually, sometimes things don't always work out and pan out, but we don't hear that story because that's not, not nice to hear, is it? Um, so I worked with this team for, for 12 months. Um, they were going to row around, they were rowing around Great Britain, uh, leaving Tower Bridge, London, um, and taking a ride out the sea and, and doing 2,000 miles uh, unsupported, unaided, all the way around, um, going through tides and shipping channels and weather and all sorts of things. Um, and they... I spent a year working with them on teamwork and communication, mental resilience, a whole host of stuff, resilient processes, the lots, visualization. Um, and they were an absolutely great team and went from a sort of a bit of a ramshackle of a team to then, I would say, high performance in terms of when they got on that boat uh, on the, when they left off. Um, doing so well, they got off to the coast. They did 500 miles in, got off the coast of um, um, Wales, um, and they were heading for an anchorage because a big storm was coming in um, uh, in about 24 hours, 36 hours. Mm -hmm. uh, and they were heading for an anchorage off the sort of south east of, of Ireland. Unfortunately, the, as, as, as weather is not, not a precise science, the storm came in sooner rather than later, which Boy. meant it, it got them. And this storm was, uh, was pretty horrific. And um, 
they got into a situation where they just couldn't, they put everything called power anchor, which helps stabilizes you. And they just couldn't get anywhere, couldn't move anywhere. And they had some damage to the boats. And they were basically in a position of uh, uh, things were at risk of life, uh, effectively. Yeah. And I had to yeah. call out the, the lifeboats. Lifeboat came out and rescued them. And the lifeboat took them back to, to, to Wales, rescued them. And lifeboat actually said this was the biggest, worst storm we've had since 1972. Um, wow. So they were, so and, and there was two other boats in this sort of event as well. And they also got rescued as well. They were different parts of the, the sort of rowing. Uh, and they got rescued as well. And now you could say, well, they failed. They weren't very resilient. Um, but actually, when they got back to Wales, they wanted to get back out again, which is incredible. Um, it's madness, if I think. Um, but they couldn't get out because they damaged from the boat and everything else. Um, but also what it taught them is that, you know, life is not just about getting outcomes. And in fact, we are not in control of the outcome. All we're in control of ourselves and the process. And it built to them... I suppose, you know, they've gone off in their separate lives in terms of what they're doing, but they would have learned huge from that. Yes, they didn't succeed or and they sort of failed, you could say, in that sense. But what they also did, they were part of a, a project that was collecting data. And this is where purpose comes in really well. So they were part of this collecting data for some climate change for the University of Portsmouth. And yeah. so there was an overarching purpose. And so they'd collected over 500 miles worth of data and stuff and so actually they were achieving something they achieved the purpose uh, as well and so that's taking things a little bit bigger rather than just the outcome of achieving the actual events um yeah. but yes they learned loads it wasn't a success in the themes of the world but I, I would say they were successful in what they did and they've they've got a load of skills a load of abilities that will take them into their daily lives uh, as well and so yes and it's what they would have learned and obviously if they did that event again and this is the key with resilience is that okay do that event again what could you learn from that, you know, in terms of mm. difficult to judge with storms like that, but um, there's some awesome learnings that would have come from that. I love that. Some uh, that, That's a really good point. Uh, I think that uh, there's one thing that I picked up from that really was uh, resilience shouldn't always be about the outcome. And that, I, I think that's a really good, that's a really good perspective. I love that because it's not about the outcome, but it's also about the journey. You, you were highlighting mm. the, the, the the rowing team and stuff, which I think is a, is, is a really good um, perspective. Um, interestingly enough, because one of the things that uh, um, kind of I feel was kind of important is vulnerability. Um, when you when you work clients specifically, and you talk and you know and um, uh, and and a client is going through challenges or whatever it might be, they want they want to become more resilient. You know, they want to develop a more of a resilient team or whatever it is. What are some of the questions that you ask certain team members in terms of vulnerability? How do you expose people's vulnerability and how do you play to their strengths? Okay, yeah, yeah. Vulnerability is, is, is an interesting one, isn't it? I think um, I, th I think just think on, on the resilience piece, I think just to sort of finish off before in terms of that whole, it, it can become a bit of a, a toxic thing as well where people think it's all about being resilient and tough and getting through things and actually there's a vulnerability piece where actually it's okay to ask people for help it's okay that mm. things are not working out as well as i expect and in terms of you know creating that and i think vulnerability is, is an important factor because you know things go wrong things don't happen and and 
you know, I think this perception, oh, you need to be more resilient to keep going. Well, actually, it's okay to, to, to stop something and not do it. Um, and it's okay to ask people for some help and have some support and everything else. And I think that's the vulnerability piece, I think, is where it plays into. And, I, you know, I often use that in, in the context of the psychological safety as well, which is where, you know, true psychological safety is where vulnerability is rewarded. You know, you're rewarded for being vulnerable to say, look, I am struggling. Um, I need some help, um, but also vulnerability in a sense of, you know, if you're taking a risk on something and it's something quite new and you're putting yourself out there and sort of putting your head above the parapet, so to speak, there's vulnerability with that as well. You know, step into the arena with like, I'm not too sure this is going to work or not, but I'm going to give it a go. That's vulnerable. Um, you know, challenging your 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 boss on, on a way of working, which you don't think is going to really help. Um, but you know, respectfully challenging, not not done it in a way that's horrible. That's mm. vulnerability as well. That's that. So I, I tend to do a lot of work uh, on the psychological safety, is developing that, asking people and saying, you know, it's almost a question to the team. You know, what happens when things go wrong? You know, and I try and elicit that. What happens when, you know, your boss says something you don't agree with? What, what happens? How do and start to get create that conversation that makes people think, oh, we don't normally challenge thinking and people I'm not so sure about that and try and create that honesty and see what the the team will say and do when I ask those questions yeah it's a good point I like that some 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 really good stuff that um there was something else that came off the top of my mind and it comes to you know whether it be working with individuals or you're working with small teams or whatever it is I was actually thinking about the psychological and emotional um I suppose I suppose kind of like benefits, but also kind of there's also um, kind of a, a, a placebo to that. There's kind of like the the vice versa to that. You know, how how is it that we feel? Uh, how should we feel emotionally when we're going through times of resilience as individuals? But also, you know, is there is there is there a right or is there a wrong? You know, is is there kind of like a I don't know like a playbook? Or a book of resilience saying, oh, you know, your team members should feel like this. And this is the reason why. What's your take on that? I don't think there is a playbook as such. Um, <laughs> I, I, we're, we're all we're all different. And, you know, going through any journey of, you know, good things, bad things, we'll all respond differently. Um, I think the thing to, to watch out for is often when, you are facing challenges and difficulties. Um, you know, people go into the, you know, there's, there's the whole sort of change curve sort of reaction to things, uh, which is, it's good to think about. I mean, I, I, I talk that a lot of, with leaders about how to sort of monitor how people are reacting, whether it's to in change that you've instigated or change that's been forced upon you and just to sort of watch out for where people, you know, get that initial shock of something, oh, you know, there's a pandemic type of thing. Uh, you know, and, and just watching out for people's reaction and being cognitive of that, the emotional state of people as well. Um, and then people go into, I think it's 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 denial, isn't it? It's almost like bury their heads and think, you know, it's not going to happen. Nothing's going to harm us. And I don't want to know, almost like, don't tell me this. And and then people go into that stage where they get really frustrated, become quite verbal and quite aggressive and quite angry and emotionally and, and again it's good to allow that to happen allow people to sort of vent and go i'm really struggling with this find it really difficult as well and then there's this potential sort of depression stage it's not depression as such but people go a bit quiet 
And again, just watching out for that quiet things. In fact, actually they're moving through that process uh, and then they start to embrace and en engage in this new way of working, this new thinking, this new type of thing we're doing or this new change has been put upon me. Uh, so that that's one thing I, I will talk about. Um, but people, you know, like anything, it's just being close to people, having conversation, developing those relationships with people uh, and allowing people to, you know, share and open up and really, you know, trying to get people where they are today. You know, we often say to people, how are you? Most people just very quickly go, I'm all right. I'm okay today. Um, and I remember somebody telling me, a HR lady used to always say, how are you today? And put a point in time. And, and I've used it quite a few times in my career. And I'd go to somebody and say, how are you today? And it makes people stop and they go, well, actually, I'm not feeling great today. I'm feeling a little bit like this today. And, and so I think it's important to get really an understanding of where people really are at uh, and emotionally and sort of psychologically from that question. Yep. Love that. Now I know that we're coming towards kind of the end of our conversation, but there, there's one other question that kind of is nagging at me here. And I suppose if we want to become more resilient, you know, individuals or teams, whichever it might be, but we've made the, de the decision that we want to become a more resilient uh, business as such. How do we, become more resilient when you've got so many different personalities that you're having to deal with in a certain team because there's a lot of bells and whistles there's a lot of things that you've got to take into consideration but how do we how do we kind of like develop that resilience but also play you know personalities and people's different personality how we can mm. how can we make it kind of how can we make it more streamlined if you like yeah and without telling you everything I do with the team, because there's a lot. Um, th there's one thing that really does help people. Uh, and people like processes. People like um, a good old process. Um, <laughs> so, um, and I, I talk a lot about building in sort of resilient processes. And there's, there's, there's three I put in place or encourage organizations to put in place. And it's, it's reduce, regulate, and repair. So reduce is all about... Um, how can you reduce the likelihood of risk impact to your team, to your business? Uh, and this is what I would call, it's almost the, the what-if scenarios, the drills. You know, if you were the rowing team, they, they did man-overboard man drills. So somebody jumps in and they do the whole drill. And, and, and so when it happens, really, you just, just it's automatic and you do it. And so that's almost the what-if scenario. So I'd encourage businesses to... And I did this. I did some work with the business last year. Actually, we uh, we did a, a what if scenario on on almost like a financial resilience. We went through. And this was back in May last year when things were getting a bit kicking off with energy prices and mm. potential recession, all that sort of stuff. And so we spent a day just going through every possible scenario. It's not being negative. It's just being what could happen. Our prices from our suppliers could go up. Our um, we could lose some talent. Uh, we could lose some business and they just panned it all out and we started to then take those what ifs and financially look at it and then okay if that happens what would we do in that scenario and so it starts to prepare everybody so when it does happen it's not such a big deal so oh, we've, we've sort of created a, the plan of this already because we had this sort of the conversation a few months ago that this would happen and therefore it has happened and then we're going to do this uh, so that's that's one thing and then regulate is all about when you do hit a crisis or something quite uh, difficult uh, bump in the road is the whole thing about how you manage and sort of regulate your team and and again put in place things like huddles you know 
how you, how, how are you going to sort of operate when things happen? How are you going to communicate? Um, who's going to communicate? Uh, how are you going to keep motivation high? And so just, again, it's, it's already in place. And so when things happen, you're ready to go. Um, and then the final thing is, is where a lot of businesses don't do this is then when you are through something, it's almost the, almost the repair, the debrief piece, you know, take some time to reflect on what you've got through, whether you successful or not, do some time as a team. What did we learn from that scenario that we can put in place for any what ifs and anything else we need to do going forward? How did the, the sort of communication go? Was it good, bad, ugly, whatever it is? And again, put that in place. So just put in those processes and that, and that will appeal to any personality type in that context uh, and really help ground people that there's a, there's a process to sort of hold on to, you know, make sure the process serves you. It's not something you serve at the process. Yep. Love that. Some good stuff that uh, for you guys that are listening. I hope you've been uh, enjoying our conversations and, and hope that you've, uh, if you haven't had the opportunity to listen to our live stream, of course, uh, you can take a listen to mine and Julian's um, great episode uh, interview um, here over on Apple or Spotify or whatever your favorite podcast platform is, of course. Um, so looking, uh, so thank you very much for that. Uh, Julian, just want to say thanks very much for, for joining us here and, and have a great conversation. Just want to say thanks very much. Well, thank you, Adam. I've, I've loved it. It's really, really good conversation. Uh, it's um, something I'm passionate about, love talking about, and could carry on talking about all day long. But yeah, no, thank you. Really appreciate that. Thank you. Good stuff. And for you guys that are, uh, are interested more to learn about Julian, you can check out his podcast, by the way, which is all about helping organizations thrive. You can check that out. And again, on all major podcasting platforms, of course, and take a listen to some of the uh, interviews that he's done with a lot of thought leaders on there. So listen, guys, hope you've enjoyed today's episode. If you have a great, fantastic, either one or a five-star, obviously I love five-star reviews, of course, uh, over on Apple or Spotify. And, um, yeah, listen, hope you've enjoyed today's episode. And if you have, please come and join us for another new show as well. And hopefully we'll see you soon. Anyway, from me and Julian, thanks very much. And we'll see you soon. Take care. Bye-bye.